Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. How's everybody doing? Good. It's good to be on this side of the building tonight. I'm excited to be on this side of the building tonight. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Elizabeth Ellenberg, and I am the preschool director here at Anchor Faith Church. And so a lot of times you see me in a green shirt. So if you're thinking, I recognize her face, but I don't know where from, that's, that's where you know me from. And I'm excited um, for the opportunity to not only be on this side tonight, but to, to uh, share what God has placed on my heart. Um, I know that he is going to transform and change us tonight. Um, uh, so I want to take just a moment. Sweet babies, they don't bother me. If mine is right over there, so if she starts crying, that's okay. <laughs> All right, so um, just to give you a little bit of an, uh, just an introduction to who I am. So I am the preschool director here at Anchor Faith Church, but I'm also a, a therapist by trade. And um, I worked at VSU for about five years as an academic advisor. And I want to share tonight about an experience that I had as an advisor that really shifted and changed the way that I think and impacted um, me and, and, and changed me. And so I'm excited to do that. So part of my time working as an academic advisor at VSU, I worked with uh, first generation, I'm sorry, I work with freshmen. And so freshmen are unique. They, just like in high school, they have lots of uh, aspirations and dreams, but they're, and they're kind of all over the place. So we're constantly looking for ways to engage them and help them um, along the way. Um, and so when you're on a college campus, you're constantly reading research, um, applying research, trying to, to just figure out how to, how to make kids stay and graduate. Um, and so what we found with freshmen in college is that um, there are, there's a specific demographic of students as part of uh, freshmen that are, are uniquely challenged. And those students are what we would refer to as first-generation college students. So students who their parents have never been to college. And these students um, sometimes have, they have unique vulnerabilities because they have just a different set of um, support system. So you think about the Valdosta demographic. We have a lot of farmers here who their kids may be the first in their family to go to college. And so if you start talking about a registrar or a bursar, they're like, what is this Chinese? And sometimes it's similar to when you come to church, we start speaking Christianese, right? So we start speaking about fire falling down and people are like, I want out of here, (laughs) right? So um, freshmen who don't have any sort of context or background um, for, co- for college, they're, they're vulnerable. They have support, just unique support. And so um, what we found was that sometimes students who are first-generation college students, um, uh, they, they, might, I, they have unique fears, and we would term that as um, imposter syndrome. Now, like I said, I have a background in mental health, so let me just tell you that it's not like a diagnosable thing, so you don't like call a therapist tomorrow and be like, I think I have imposter syndrome, give me some medicine. Okay, it's a colloquial term that we would use to describe the way that they sometimes would feel. And so let's get a definition for what that means. Um, so if we're going to define imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome, it's really just a pattern of thought. It's a pattern of thought in which one doubts their own accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. 
Okay, so if you're the first person to ever go to college in your family and you don't know what these words are that people are talking about and people are telling you to fill out financial aid and you're like, what is that? I don't even know how, where do I go to do that? People are giving you directions. You constantly think, what what, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what any of this stuff is. I need some help. Um, And so if you already kind of think, maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I don't have the skill set needed to to thrive here. I was smart in high school, but these guys look a lot smarter than me. So all these sorts of thought patterns uh, come up for students. And they start to believe sometimes that, you know, I, maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Maybe I should have just joined the family business. Maybe I should have went to the military. Maybe I should have done this. Maybe I should have done that. And so they have all these thought patterns, and then um, they, it just kind of flows with them. And so um, they have this persistent fear of failure. And at the first sign of resistance, what we found is that it gives them a really good reason to quit. So the first time they fail a test, they're like, see, evidence, that's evidence right there that I shouldn't be here. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. It's one test, one test. Or if they have a roommate that they don't really like and things just are not going well, see, it's further evidence. It's me. It's not them. I'm not good enough. I'm not supposed to be here. Um, And so they often will just notice the things that confirm that theory that they are not supposed to be there. Um, And so being any... Uh, being a good advisor that I was, I would sit, uh, one day I was sitting in my office and thinking, how can I support this group of students? What can I do to help them know you belong here? You're supposed to be here. There's a whole group of um, people in admissions that went through applications and they picked you. They said, yeah, you can, you can come here. You can be here. There's a place for you here. You belong. So how do I support these students? How do I let them know that, um, that there's a place for them here? And um, the Holy Spirit so gently as he does, um, pointed my attention uh, towards me, and I think towards a lot of us. And he said, uh, you know, there are men and women, kingdom citizens, who instead of walking around with kingdom authority and influence, uh, they stumble around with fear that they'll be found out, that they're not enough. And so they too share this fear Um, They, too, walk around with a lens of fear. Uh, They, too, think things like, if people only knew. Like, I know God would save me, but would he let me do this? Like, I know God wants me to be in heaven, but would he really let me do that? And so, with that fear, uh, they walk around thinking that if they say the wrong thing, that, you know, that's it. I can be saved, but I can't go any further. That's, that's where my line is. I can get to heaven, but I can't do anything else. And so fear keeps them from walking out their calling. And that uh, at the first sign of resistance, they want to quit. So maybe that first sign of resistance is the prayer that they've been praying for a really long time isn't answered when they thought it would be answered. Oh, it's got to be me. It's the sin I had. God knows. He knows I can't do this. Or maybe it's uh, the prayer isn't answered in the way that they thought that it should. Okay, God, I thought you were going to heal me, but you're not, so it must be, must be me, right? So can I just make an assertion tonight that uh, God's plan for you is not so fragile that you can break it. It's not so fragile that it can't be restored. So I want to talk, I want to point us to Paul. Because the transformation from Saul to Paul, if there's anybody who, um, who would, could walk around like a fraud, it would be Paul, right? He was going around killing Christians, locking them up. 
and um, God transforms him. So I'm going to go to Ephesians 3, um, and we're going to start at verse 7. Because Paul is a bold man of faith, right? He did a lot. He had a, a long history, but God still used him. So I'm going to start at verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am very, I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages. God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold of wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access to the confidence through our faith in him. So if Paul, who was once Saul, can have boldness in his calling, um, I, think that, I think that we can too. So I'm going to um, go a little bit further in Ephesians. We're going to go to Ephesians 4. And I'm going to start at verse 11, and I'm going to jump around just for a moment. Um, and he gave those apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature and fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be ta- children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. So if we can say, if, so Paul's saying, he tells us that children um, are, who are immature believers, really that's what he's talking about, right? So this, is, this book is written to believers, and he mentions children. So if are tossed around to and fro like waves, they're carried about by every wind. So if, we, if with any first sign of resistance, we think, oh man, I can't do it. I can't do it. That's, uh, that's immature. How do we shift from being an immature believer to a mature believer? That's where I hope to go tonight. Okay, so we, um, in verse 17, he goes on to describe their minds as futile. He describes them as having darkened understanding, and he describes them as being ignorant. So if, um, if I had to give tonight a title, I tried to channel Pastor Mark as best I could because he always has these trendy, cool titles. The best I've got is... Um, is um, imposters or influencers, okay? So how do, we bec- how do we shift from being feeling like an imposter? Because I think there are times in our lives when we might all feel that way. In fact, I would say that if you never felt like, gosh, I don't know if this is for me, then maybe, maybe we aren't stepping out in faith enough because God's never gonna call you to do something that you can do on your own. So if you're always feeling totally equipped and totally called and got everything you need, then maybe... Maybe that's what God's telling you tonight. How can we live out in faith? Where's, where's the area of my life that I need to live out in faith, that I need to stretch beyond my ability, that I need to stretch beyond what I can do on my own? Okay, so I've got five points. We're not gonna be here too long tonight. I've got five points to help us shift from imposter to influencer, okay? So the first point I've got is open your mouth. Ephesians 2.19 tells us that we are citizens of heaven. So if we walk around, like as kingdom citizens, but we're feeling like imposters, it's dangerous. It's dangerous because it's a silent battle and it's quiet. It's quiet to everyone around us, but it's loud to us 
Nobody can see that. We don't have imposter written on our forehead. But we have that internal battle. We have that fight. And, it's, and things that are in the dark, they grow. So what do we have to do? We have to bring light in. We have to bring light in. And you bring light in with your mouth. The war of who you are. So if you feel like an imposter, that's a war of who you are. That war is, is fought in the battlefield of your mind, but it's won in your mouth. If you want to win that battle, you got to open your mouth. Because as long as you keep your mouth shut, as long as you battle in darkness, as long as you negotiate with the enemy about who you are and whose you are, you haven't won yet. So as long as you're still having those conversations with the enemy about, I'm not good enough, you haven't won that battle yet. So open your mouth. In a world, can I, can I be bold tonight? Can I be so bold as to say that in a world where we're told we have to wear masks, we need to take off the mask of fear. Take off the mask and open your mouth and speak. Because here's the thing. Faith comes by hearing, and your spirit needs to hear your voice literally opening up. Not just med- meditation is good. It's great. You should do it all the time. But you need to open your mouth and physically, audibly speak over yourself. Declare over yourself who God has called you to be. Okay? All right. Point two. So first one is open your mouth. Second way. Accept the call of God on your life because of who he is, not because of who you are. You can't do it by yourself. And when we recognize who God is, like truly recognize and, res- and honor his position, then we can't second guess his call. If, if we truly were to understand the authority that God has, if we were truly to put him as Lord of our life, then we would never dare question him right? If we were to truly honor him as Lord of our life, as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, if you said it, I believe it. There'd be no, there'd be no negotiation. It's settled. Yeah, absolutely. So once we recognize his position as Lord and as authority, we step into our calling because of who he is, but then we recognize who he says we are. So we accept the call because of who he is. We can do the call because of who he says we are. All right, third point. I told you we weren't going to be here too terribly long. We've only got five of these. All right, so we need to renew our mind. If we're going to open up our mouth, if we're going to open up our mouth and declare, we've got to have something to declare. <laughs> so I'm not, you got to find it. you got to go in God's word and figure out who he says you are so that you can renew your mind. Both in Ephesians, Ephesians 4.23 says that we need to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self that's been created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you gotta have something to renew. You gotta be in God's word. And you have to be opening your mouth to declare it. Point four. All right. Let me... Boldly live out the call. So we're going to boldly live out God's call in our life. So uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give me the spirit of... Oh, actually, I'm going to read that in Amplified. So I'm going to start over. For God did not give us the spirit of timidity or, to, or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power, of love, of sound judgment, and personal discipline, abilities that result in calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. When I was little, I, um, I, always, I think that's probably the first verse I ever memorized. God has not given me the spirit of peer, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Um, and I always kind of thought of that more as like, I'm not going to be scared of darkness. I'm not going to be scared of the devil. But as I mature, 
I learned that the spirit of fear can be the spirit of the, it can be what keeps me from walking into God's call in my life. It keeps me from being bold in faith. It keeps me from doing the things that he's called me to do. It keeps me from reaching out to others. It keeps me from growing. So God didn't give you that spirit, so it's got to go. Perfect love casts out fear, right? And so uh, Paul tells us earlier that we don't need to be tossed around to and fro like the waves of the ocean, but God gave us the ability, he gave the spirit to be well-balanced in mind and self-control. So it's not the result, it's, not, uh, it's the obedience, okay? It's not the result that we are looking for here. We're looking for obedience to God. So many times we do things and, and we pray prayers and we, and we expect to see a particular thing. And when we don't see that, we're disappointed. But the, 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 ob, the objective isn't to have the particular result. The, reject, the objective is your obedience, is to do the thing that God told you to do. The transformation happens in the obedience. The, the change happens in the obedience, Okay, so our last, so point number five, last point, is um, we need to posture ourselves for boldness. And I want to tell you about, I'm a little nerdy, if you haven't learned that about me already. I, I, uh, I like to watch TED Talks just for fun. So if you've never watched a TED Talk, you learned something new about me tonight. One of my favorite TED Talks is, uh, I don't even remember the name of it, but it's by Amy Cuddy. And so she is, she's a researcher. She's, I don't even, she studies um, body language. And, and so we all probably have heard about body language before, right? So the way that you, your body language you often speaks louder than your actual words, right? We're all kind of looking at each other, nudging. And so things like um, when you cross your arms, it can send off a, ne- a signal that I'm not paying attention, I don't care, or you're, you can be engaged, leaning in. There's lots of different ways that um, your body language communicates beyond what your words do. And so she has this TED Talk about um, the Superman position, Superman pose. Uh, and it's literally like it's a Superman pose, exactly what you would think. And so she calls that a power position, and then she has powerless positions, which are things like sitting back, like sitting like this. And her theory is that when you make yourself bigger, like not size of your pants bigger, but like physically opening up your arms and legs, like actually making yourself bigger, that um, your body impacts your brain. It literally changes the chemistry in your mind. Okay. And so she did lots of research on this. And one of, um, we, one of the things I think is really powerful is that um, you see this all the time. There are, like, when you, win a con- when you win a contest, you win a race, you throw your hands up in the air because you feel really powerful. The cool thing is that even blind people who've never seen anybody ever do that, they also do that. It's a power position. When they win a race, they throw their arms up because they feel powerful. So her research, um, so she studied, she studied this, and what she found was, uh, well, the experiment that she did she had two groups of people. She had one group of people who um, nobody knew what was going on, but she told them to just sit quietly in a waiting room, and she told them how to sit. So sit with your arms crossed, legs crossed. Make yourself really small, as small as you can. And so they're sitting over here. She's got another group of people. She said, make yourself really big. She told them how to stand. Stand like a superhero, okay? So make yourself as big as you can. And um, then she had another group of people who were supposed to interview, interview them, like a job interview, and she said, make it the toughest interview you could possibly do. So stare at them, no facial expressions, don't smile. Basically be, I mean, if you've been in an interview, you probably have had an experience like this. And so she, had, she didn't tell them what was going on either. And she had both groups interview. And what she found was, um, after they, well, the people who interviewed them, 
um, ended up telling her who they would have hired and why. And what she found was the people who made themselves bigger were far more likable, not based on their credentials or their experience, but based on their enthusiasm, their authenticity, um, their, uh, what else did she say, their confidence and their passion. It wasn't even a real job. (laughs) It wasn't even a real job. So they're just making it up as they go. And then the people who made themselves smaller were really timid. They were soft-spoken. And the only thing different was the positions that they were told to sit or stand in. And so then she did a saliva swab. And she tested their cortisol levels, which is what makes you stressed or not stressed, and their testosterone. And so the people who made themselves physically bigger were, had less cortisol and more testosterone. So, and so they, in fact, were, uh, they felt more powerful and they were less stressed in the interview. The people who made, made themselves smaller had high stress and low testosterone. So what that tells us is that our bodies literally change the way that our mind works, when we, the way that we posture ourselves. And so I want to encourage you tonight to posture yourself for boldness. What does that look like for us? We praise God with our arms wide open. Sometimes we put our face down on the floor and we just reach out to him, but sometimes we've got to be bold because it literally changes our mind when we do that. So posture yourself because of who God has called you to be, because of who you are in him. So I want to do something a little weird tonight. And you guys already know where I'm going. I want you to, this is it, we're closing. So I'm letting you out early, so you're going to do something weird, it's fine. You guys didn't know it was funny. So Chase and I have been married, we've been together for uh, going on nine years, we've been married for six years, and he does not think that I'm funny. So I need you all to laugh at my jokes tonight. Um, Before we do something crazy, I want to read Hebrews 4. 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God, guys, God knows all the reasons. He knows all the reasons that you feel like I'm walking around and people just knew. He knows, and he still calls you. He still redeemed you. He still loves you. He still wants you. He still thinks you have amazing things that you can do for his kingdom that nobody else can do. So we're going to posture ourselves with boldness, So I want you to stand up and posture yourself with boldness, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's raising your hands, whether you're, I I might do the Superman pose. And I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me a couple of things, just from Ephesians that I pulled. All right. And we're going to declare this over us because we're going to change our minds, literally. God is transforming us. God, I just thank you that you have transformed us tonight, that you are calling us, that you have set. You've already done it. You've already called us. You've already set us apart. You've already told us that we are more than conquerors. You already told us that we have good, you have good plans in store for us. You already told us that you are greater. You're greater than all that we could ever think or imagine. So, um, yes, amen. And so I just want you guys to repeat after me. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. I am chosen. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. 
I am alive in him. I am a citizen of heaven with all the rights and privileges and inheritance that God has given. I am bold and confident. I am full of grace. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.